ABF Creative. ABF Creative. Many define athlete success by the number of MVPs earned, all-star appearances, touchdowns scored, baskets made, or championships won. But the real wins occur off the field. When we watch and hear our sports stars discuss the topics that matter in the pursuit of equality and social justice, these voices should be heard, celebrated, and most importantly, shared. These are the real sports heroes. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? They're just so happy to see a black man who will stand up and jeopardize every court he's got to tell the truth. I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice. People that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. I would definitely not do that. Being an NBA player don't exclude me from no conversation at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man and I'm a member of this community. Go after your dreams. You don't allow anything to take you away from your dreams. What's up, everybody? It's Heisman Trophy, one NFL Hall of Famer, Tim Brown, and I am a real sports hero. Yep, University of Notre Dame, 1987 Heisman Trophy winner, played 17 years in the NFL. When I retired, I was 2-3-3, I believe, or 2-2-2. Second in catches, second in yards, and third in touchdowns when I retired. Over 14,900 yards in reception yards, 1,094 catches. Yeah, you know, I I was uh, in an unusual family, man. I had a mom and dad who were together. And um, from everything I knew, it was a very loving, <laughs> loving relationship that they had. So, male mentorship, I, I never looked for that outside of my family. I had a big brother who's eight years older, and I had a father. So, I always had people that I could bounce stuff off of and, and, um, and do those kind of things. You know, I think for me, things sort of changed when I was 12 or 13. You know, I had a little incident with my dad. You know, my dad was a hardworking guy, worked construction, but he partied just as hard, right? And he owned a uh, nightclub, the Chandelier Nightclub. Never will forget it. So he would come home and 5 o'clock by 6.30, he's out the door, you know, and he's not home to 12 o'clock. And this one particular night, you know, he had had a little bit too much. So we got into it. Well, he got into it with me because I was too scared to get into it. And that sort of changed the dynamics of the relationship, right? And uh, my dad was not a guy to say, hey, I had a bad night last night. Forgive me. So it was a lot of finger pointing and things of that nature. And it took years, man, to really get that relationship back to where it should be. But I think during those times, man, I was inspired to prove my dad wrong or to, you know, get back into his good graces or whatever. And I think it sort of kept me working hard in school you know, being top 10 in school, being vice president of senior class and all these kind of things, you know, um, all these things were done to present to my father so we can get that relationship back that we we once had. And it took years to get that done. Uh, of course, when your son is being recruited by every major college in the country, you know, there's some form of relationship, but when your son is up for the Heisman, you know, you're going to be there, but after the Heisman ceremony, you know, there was no conversation at all, you know. But uh, so, again, that it literally took about 12 years, man, before that got right. You know, even though I had a mom and dad at home, 
when that incident happened, it really changed the whole dynamics of the family. Uh, my mom and dad were, you know, my dad passed away about 10 years ago. They, they can, you know, they were married for 52 years. Uh, so I, I was able to see all the great things with marriage, all the great things, you know, being a father, but I also saw some things that made me say, well, you know, I love my dad. I love everything, love these things about him, but mm, I may keep this out of my house. I'm not going to do this. And it's at that age, man, 13, I decided that I would never have a drink of alcohol because if alcohol would make you want to do these kind of things, then I'm not going to touch it. And, you know, so... My dad, you know, never finished high school. You know, literally in Louisiana, had to drop out to pick cotton to help the family. My mom did the same thing, but later in life, she was able to go back and at least get her high school diploma. So for me, you know, I've had, you know, at that time, I was the youngest of five. And uh, well, I just had a younger sister who was 17 years younger than me. So everybody had matriculated through high school, I mean, through college and had degrees, but that was the focus of the family. Go get an education. And uh, when I walked out the door, that's what I was told. There's no future in football for you. You go get that education and come on back home, you know? So I, I think for me, you know, I went there with, with that mindset. My freshman year, I played a little bit. My sophomore year, I played a little bit more. The coaching change happened with Jerry Faust was out and Lou Holtz was in. And after two days of spring ball, you know, Coach Holtz is pulling me over you know, telling me all these incredible things that he think I can do. And I literally told him, dude, you got the wrong guy. You know, <laughs> I'm going to get this education and going back home. You know, all this stuff you're talking about doesn't make any sense. And, um, you know, finally, I just decided I was going to listen to the guy and, and play it out, man. And, you know, he told me I could be the best player in the country. So when that happened, I was shocked. I was, you know, really blown away by the fact that my mindset changed. But, you know, going from where I was coming into University of Notre Dame and where I was then was uh, was a big, big jump, man, because uh, it wasn't something that I was planning on, wasn't something I thought was a, was achievable. Um, and uh, I was just enjoying playing football and having a good time. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, the, the Heisman thing was a big, big part of my uh, growth, I believe, mentally and, and, and really springboarded me to the fact uh, uh, that I could go to the NFL and, and accomplish anything I wanted to accomplish. If you don't mind, uh, share with our audience uh, the work you're doing and collaborating with The Perfect Ten in the documentary that you're, you're working on now. When I was told about that, that I was number nine, uh, the ninth guy to win the Heisman and be in the Hall of Fame, it was unbelievable to me that only nine guys had accomplished that. So after that settled in, you know, after talking to some people here in Dallas for, you know, almost a couple of years, we figured that that something needed to be done. I mean, this is a story that needed to be told. And, um, you know, my mindset initially was, you know, we've left this incredible legacy on the football field how can we partner with somebody to be able to leave an incredible legacy off the football field? So that was the, the thought pattern, right? That's what we thought we would end up doing. And that's how we uh, we went out to, to get something done. So, you know, I think from that standpoint, man, you know, we have an opportunity uh, to do some incredible things to all that force that we have individually, bring it all together. And uh, with the help of some major company or, or some major person or whatever, and really be able to go and affect change.
in communities all over the country, not just black communities, you know, in any community that needs the help. And we just want to be in a position as much as we possibly can with the right people around us uh, to really affect change. I hope you're enjoying Real Sports Heroes. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Yeah, you know, I, I think, man, once you have made it to the top, you owe it to people below you to do something, to help in some kind of way. You know, for years in California, I've I've been a part of a group called 911 for Kids, where I've had a mentoring mini camp. We didn't have it in 2020 for obvious reasons, but I think it would have been the 22nd year of my mentoring mini camp. And I, I tell people it's the best week of my life, you know, because I have 125 to 175 kids there who it's starving for information and and wanting to uh to get together and hear what you have to say that's to me what this is all about the fact that they will listen to tim brown most of the time before they listen to their dad which i don't encourage obviously but you know the dads come up to me hey man maybe you could talk to this cat you know what i mean and uh you know so i i just think man when you have this opportunity you have to take care of you have to we we've been put here for a reason is what i believe and uh, I don't want to get all religious and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I just believe God doesn't do this for, uh, you know, he, this is not a mistake. You know, so we have the opportunity at this point to be able to reach back and hopefully pull some people up. And uh, that is the name of the game, you know. We're kind of going through this period in our time where there's been some struggle and there's been some horrific events, but hopefully as a community, we're growing from it and people can get better from it. For somebody that that has the idea that athletes should just stick to playing sports and shouldn't have a voice outside of that, what what would be your message to them? Yeah, you know, it's it's sad when when you hear stuff like that because that athlete may not be inspiring somebody in your community, but he's inspiring somebody. And, you know, if he can turn one guy away from a lifestyle that would be destructive, then everybody should be applauded in that, you know. And, um, you know, I, I hate to hear those kind of things, man. You know, I, I think everybody should be applauded for because the guys don't have to do it, right? Especially now, they're making all this money. They're living a the life. They could be in Hawaii doing whatever, be uh, around the country doing whatever they want to do. And for them to set aside time, man, to be able to do some of the things that they, they're doing, I just think it's phenomenal, man. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that most of these guys are not getting discouraged. They understand who they're up against. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just the spirit out there, brother, that shouldn't be. But at the same time, you know, I think the strong guys are going to go push through it and, and make the thing happen. I just believe that there are bigger, bigger things to come. At this particular point, it's all about service for me, right? It's it's all about in some kind of way uh, servicing people as much as I possibly can. I have twins who are in high school and they have to do so much service a year in order to graduate. And uh, my son was a little bit behind. He got literally got a message the other day saying, you will not graduate unless you put in the service, man. And, and it's such a great thing to put inside your kids because that's what this life is all about, man, because you may think things for you are not going well, but 
compared to somebody else, things are going incredibly well, you know? And I think from that standpoint, uh, you don't have to have a billion dollars in the bank to do service. Uh, it's all about what's in your heart and, and the time and effort that you want to put into it. Thanks for listening to Real Sports Heroes. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you're notified when the next episode drops. And please take a second to rate and review the show. We want as many people as possible to be able to engage with our real sports heroes. And your ratings and reviews help other people find our show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.